You got that? There it is. All right. So let's say this out loud. Our mission is impacting people with the love of Jesus on the journey of life. This is something that we all need to know. We just need to know by heart. You hear me talk about it all the time. You hear the staff talk about it all the time. Uh, because this is, this is our promise to the world. We're going to impact people with the love of Jesus. Two weeks ago, or last week, we talked about our vision. This answers the question of where do we want to be in the future? What does our future, our desirable, preferable future look like? Our vision and I'm going to have you read this with me also. Our vision is a Christ-centered, faith-filled community being transformed as we encounter God's love, being equipped to serve according to the Spirit's gifting, being intentional participants in God's restorative work, giving glory to God in all things. And as I said uh, last week, this vision is really for us to help us plan and Put, put plans together so that we're heading in a certain direction. Uh, people outside of Crossroad, it's good for them to know it and understand how, why and how we do things, but this is really for our leadership and for our staff and, and for us and just going, okay, that, that's what we're shooting for. That's our target. Once we um, had our values, missions, and vision, we still needed to answer the how question. And that is really what our message is for us today. Oh, hi. Sorry, my daughter showed up this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know she was coming. It caught me off guard. And I kind of like her. Hi. <clears throat> Woo. Now I'm going to get back on track. Oh, thank you. Am I saying I need water? Yeah. Uh, so, this, this is the question we're going to answer today, the how. How do we do the vision? We, I was pretty passionate last week about what we're going for. Now, it's like we, we got to put a process in it and to make that happen. Um, so, I use this fence here, and there's a reason why there's a fence on that picture, and you'll see as we move forward. Um, and so I'll let the picture describe itself as we move forward without going into great detail. But I want us to see that when we answer this question, how, we need to be intentional, it needs to be simple, and it needs to be purposeful. We, we can't just be all over the map. And so as we put this process together, again, if, if you remember, our, we feel that the mission and vision that we have was really God-given. We the leadership and, and the church, we went through a time of prayer and really talking together what it looks like. Same too with this process. We feel like specifically God has laid this process out for us and that's why we're really excited about moving forward. The first part of our process is encounter. Uh, we recognize that, and I hope you can kind of see that on the fence post there. Did the best I can. Uh, we hope that... Uh, we understand that to encounter uh, 
for transformation, we need to encounter God's love. And so when people experience the love of Jesus, it naturally brings a transformation aspect of it. So our first desire is really that people would encounter the love of Jesus. Uh, they, there's a couple of ways that they can do that. One is that they can experience the love of God in everyday life as they encounter followers of Jesus. So hopefully, if we're following our mission, impacting people with the love of Jesus on the journey of life, the people we're coming into, they're experiencing the love of Jesus and they're having an encounter with the love of Jesus. When they do, transformation begins. They begin wondering, why is this person that way? Why do they respond this way? Why do they look at life this way? A person can also encounter God's love when they come to church on a Sunday morning, when they walk through the door and are greeted by people, when they come to the family ministry counter and check their kids in and just are felt cared for and loved, when they come on in on a Sunday morning and they experience worship. You know, as we worship we experience the presence of the Spirit of God, and thus it draws us into His presence. We, we hear the message, the spoken word. Again, the Spirit can uh, transform us as we hear that word. This is why, for us, part, a big part of the encounter is the Sunday morning worship. It's really crucial for us. Uh, and so when we talk about encounter and our encounter ministry team, we're primarily talking about our Sunday morning experience. So whether you're an usher or a teacher or part of the worship team or tech team, part of the prayer team, or you make coffee sometime when we get back to having coffee again, uh, or are you just attending with no specific responsibility? You are part of the process of helping people encounter the love of God. As we just reach out and love on people. We want people to encounter the love of God every time they step into this building on a Sunday morning. Because as we look at our vision, uh, we know that it is when we are part of a community that we can really encounter God's love. One of the interesting things that I've shared here before is that um, a person decides whether they're going to come back to a church when they're visiting within the first seven minutes, on average. And as I mentioned before, that's why ushers, you've got a big responsibility. But not just the ushers. I mean... It, it, in our culture here in Western America, that's the way it is. It just is. People come visiting. They, they're taking a read on this place. The next part of our process, which you've heard before, is connect. Connecting is all about fellowship. It's all about community. It's what we want to develop. It's part of our vision. It's part of our mission. It's part of our core values. Our core values say that uh, fellowship is an important part. So we need to be intentional about two things when it comes to connecting. One, making sure that I am intentionally in relationship with other people. The question is, am I connecting with others authentically? Am I really uh, 
developing strong, deep relationships with the other people. The second thing is, am I intentionally inviting others to connect? If I see somebody who is kind of alone, they come and they're kind of alone, am I intentionally inviting them into community? So what does this look like? Well, it looks like small groups. We know that. It looks like men and women's ministry. But it's also serving together. Maybe you're part of the usher's team connection. Maybe you're part of the elders connection. Maybe you are part of the youth ministry volunteer team connection. It's also support groups. We have our Conquer series. We have freedom nights that are going to be developed. It's our prayer ministry. It's a place to connect. The question is not, are you in a small group? The question is, are you connecting with others? That's, that's the main thing. You're encountering God's love when you're here. That's good. Now you've got to make sure that you're connecting. The third step in our process is equip. Jesus was very intentional in equipping his disciples to transform the world. Um, and think about it. Jesus just didn't teach them right from wrong or how to be a good Christian, how to behave correctly. Jesus taught them how to impact their world, how to transform their world. Our vision says that uh, we want to be a community that is being equipped to serve according to the Spirit's gifting. That, that's what we want to do. And when we are equipping each other to serve according to the Holy Spirit's gifting, all of a sudden, this becomes a God-kingdom-sized thing. Again, it's not just equipping people to be good people. It's equipping people to impact the world with God's kingdom. I think sometimes we have too small of a vision. Even in our parenting. Our parenting is we want to raise good people. What if we set our goals a little higher and our parenting was to raise kingdom influencers, raise young men and women to have an impact on the world with the kingdom of God? What if we prayed and discipled our adults to be world changers, wherever they end up? that they're impacting their world with the love of Jesus. And equipping has more to do with than just education. I know it has this feel, and for us right now, it has a lot to do with classes like our Sunday school or you know, a parenting class or even an outreach class or whatever class you may have. But we have to remember that being equipped is also being equipped to do what God has called us to do as we're just walking through life in our day-to-day -day experience of life. For an example, um, equipping with outreach. Yeah, we need to have a class on outreach and equip people. But then part of the equipping is let's go and do outreach together. Parenting, it's not only having a parenting class, but it's having parents mentor other parents so that they can learn by watching how to do parenting well. The fourth part of our process is send. Uh, 
There's so much more to this, and I'll hit this a little bit more as we dive a little farther into the message, but part of our core value is that we are going, that we are on mission, that we are intentional participants in God's restorative work, and I broke that down more last week. Um, You see, our mission, impacting people with the love of Jesus, we have to remember Jesus' picture of love. Because it was in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Sometimes when we think of impacting people with the love of Jesus, we just think of the people in our sphere of influence. Huh? That's small-minded thinking. Kingdom thinking is, I'm going to love my enemies and I'm going to pray for those who persecute me. And this praying to persec- for those that persecute you is not praying that God would take them out. No, it's praying that God would bless them. That God would provide abundance for them. What? <laughs> it's praying that God would so impact their life that they would be transformed. We as a church, uh, <clears throat> we're guilty of only loving our friends and praying for our friends. And we sometimes persecute our enemies. Verbally, via social media, sending, going out into the world means I'm going to love my enemy and I'm going to pray for those who persecute me. In Acts 1, when Jesus tells the disciples that they would be empowered with the Holy Spirit and then they would go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth, notice something about this order. Jerusalem, it's our home, it's our home community, okay? We gotta, we gotta send and go out into our community, easy. That's well stated. Judea, that's the state or the national community. But notice this about Samaria, Samaria. They were the half-breeds, remember? That's what Jews thought of Samaritans. They were half-breeds. They looked down on the Samaritans. And Jesus says, hey, you're not only going to reach Jerusalem, you're not only going to reach Judea, your home, you're going to also reach the people you may look down at. This goes back to Loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. So how to send, do this? Well, we do it by impacting our communities, our our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces. Um, Yeah, This is stuff that our send ministry team is wrestling with and will invite us into and has already invited us into. Now, I want you to notice something about this process as you look up on here, and as I went through it, it's easy to get into a linear mindset of, well, once a person has encountered God's love, next step is we want them to connect, and then the next step is we want them to be equipped, and then the next step is to send. It's kind of like you check off each box as you go, and once they're being sent, okay, we're all done. No, it's, it's more intermeshed than linear, meaning is that once a person encounters God's love, whatever that may look like, they may be invited to go set on a send thing. They, they may jump right over to there and just 
be out there impacting their world or their community or the Samaria with the love of Jesus. Or, or they may jump into an equip thing and they may be connect. The, the point is, this is a way for us to simplify and target what we're trying to accomplish. These are the four main things that we're trying to get after in every area of our life. And we want our people to be invited into that. And some of these things will overlap. For example, you may be a part of the worship team. You are serving in that area. That's your place of connection also. It's your place of being equipped because Eric is discipling you in that process. He sends out devotionals every week for his worship team. There's multiple layers. And the same thing with our small group ministry. We saw this last year when we had this small group push. Every small group was supposed to do an outreach together. Small groups will be more effective if we stop just focusing on self. If we come together, equip each other, encourage each other, and then take that and go out into our community together. There's a couple of other areas that we have ministry teams for that you probably have heard and know about that are just ways that we need to make sure we're being intentional about things. Uh, the other ministry team is our family ministry team. This is another one of our posts in our fence. This is, we're focusing on kids 0 to 18 and their families. Um, part of their focus as a family ministry team is to make sure that our kids and our families are encountering God's love, are connecting with other kids, are being equipped, and are being sent as teenagers and children out into the community. Sometimes our kids can be the greatest evangelists. Because they, haven't, they don't have the inhibitions. I used to drive bus. And uh, one day, I had these two little boys. They were probably about six years old, sitting right behind me. And they were having an argument about something. And it was a serious argument. And um, finally got at the school, and I stopped. And I just go, boys, what's going on? And the one little boy said to me, he won't ask Jesus into his heart. I, I told him it's important, but he won't ask Jesus into his heart. And after I stopped, you know, chuckling from within, it was just like, how innocent and pure. The last area that's ministry team is our buildings and ground team. As I have on the screen, it's B and G. It's what we affectionately call buildings and grounds. This is important. It's an important ministry team because if our buildings and our grounds aren't up to what they need to be, then we can't do whatever ministry God has called us to do here. So there are plenty of places for you to use your skills in the areas of buildings and ground, whether it's creativity, whether it's craftsmanship, um, lots of different opportunities. So if you're looking for a place to connect, um, there's plenty of room. We've been operating under this new process with these ministries teams for almost a full year. About a year ago, we were finally getting it all put together. And part of that process of 
developing these ministry teams and this process was then to take in budget accordingly. So we shifted our budget all around so we could target each one of these ministry areas. The other piece was to, if possible, to provide a staff person to be connected to each one of these ministry areas, thus helping to create intentional focus and, and uh, so that we'd be able to, to work together. Um, when you do anything new, it looks really great on paper. The key element is when you begin to do it is to evaluate and adjust as you go. And that's what we've been really doing this last year with these ministry teams. We have been evaluating and adjusting. It's like, how is this working well? What can we keep doing? What are some things that we need to change? And we've made some adjustments on the way. One of the concerns for the leadership was this picture uh, of these ministry teams could give this idea of a silo mindset. The in business circles or in leadership, a silo mindset is where all you do is focus on your thing and you're not concerned about the bigger picture. And so when you have people focusing on a ministry area like, um, you know, connection, that that's all they think about. Or send. That's all they think about. And so part of the prayer and the adjustment was how do we create a way that these are all tied together? One of them is as simple as communication. How do we communicate together? So that's been part of the deal is how do we keep this to be a part of our big picture vision and mission and then uh, do it really well? Well, over the last few months, part of this keeping us all together began to come into play. Uh, last December, uh, I was invited by the denomination to be a part of an evangelism cohort uh, this evangelism cohort was the opportunity to meet with other pastors and church leaders to uh, once a month for two years to develop an organic process of doing outreach within a church. Uh, this cohort is sponsored and led by the Billy Graham Evangelism Center at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Um, Part of that is helping us to understand when we think of outreach, outreach is not an event, it's not a program, is how does outreach become a way of life, thus organic. Churches who have participated in this cohort experience see an increase in the number of people who become followers of Jesus through the church. Some churches see changes of up to 20% within the first two to three years. And wouldn't that be awesome? And as you know, I mentioned a number of times, part of my prayer, my desire, and as we talk about outreach and we move forward, is that five years from now, we'd be able to survey this people attending here and come to realize that there's 40 to 50% of the people here who had never gone to church before. That we had, outreach had become such a part of our DNA, it was just what was happening. This evangelism cohort is part of that process. It's teaching me how we do it so that I can bring that and teach others here. So as I've been learning about organic evangelism, it's realizing that it's not just the send ministry team planning an outreach and then inviting everybody into it. It's outreach 
be having an influence in every ministry team and in every individual. So now, it was like, how does this happen? As you see on the picture above, uh, outreach begins to tie those fences to posts together. They become the fence rails that bring it together. And it goes through all of the ministry teams. One of the first things I had to do for this outreach evangelism cohort was to recruit an outreach influence leader. This person is not responsible for planning outreaches. They are responsible for influencing the body to begin to think about and pray about outreach, whether it's on an individual aspect, how are you doing in outreach, or it's in our ministry teams and our different organizations. Influence is the key, not planning. So as I was praying about that, um, Stacy Peterson came to my mind, and I invited Stacy Peterson to be our outreach influence leader. A couple of reasons for doing that is, one, uh, she is a gifted leader in the marketplace. Her job is all about leadership and influencing, and she's at a big bank and has thousands of people that she influences on a weekly basis. She also has a passion for outreach. If you know Stacy, and especially her husband Gabe, Gabe is an evangelist, uh, they're always thinking about how they're impacting people with the love of Jesus. And the bonus is, Stacy's already part of the SEND ministry team, which is where outreach should be birthed out of, but not just programmed into. Part of this influence process is asking ourselves, how are we doing personally at outreach? And one of the things I learned from the cohort is ask people about their outreach temperature. On a scale of 1 to 10, where does outreach fit in your life? Is it 1? I don't think about it at all. It's not a priority. Meh. Or is it a 10? When I think of somebody that's a 10, I think of Gabe Peterson. It's always at the forefront of my mind. I'm always looking for ways to share the love of Jesus with people. It's always there. Now, the goal is not everybody to be a 10. That's not the goal. The goal is to have an honest evaluation of where I am personally, and then asking my question, what is one thing I can do to increase my outreach temperature by one notch? There's simple ways to do that. It's like, at work. What if you just began asking Jesus at work, who do you want me to impact with the love of Jesus today? One of these Sundays, we're going to get Marcus Carlson up here, because he does this. And at our last elder meeting, he shared a couple of stories about him impacting people with the love of Jesus but they've had conflicts and haven't been able to come. I, I talk about this often, but uh, Terry, uh, my own wife, uh, does this really, really well. She sees her vocation as a realtor as an opportunity to impact people with the love of Jesus. Yep, she wants to sell houses and she wants to help people buy houses. Um, and she's always loving on people 
And there are times she has an opportunity to pray with them. That, that's outreach becoming organic. It could be if you go to a gym. What if when you're going to a gym, you just, hey, Jesus, what's, what's a way that I can impact people to love Jesus here? Or the golf course or coffee shop if you want to go to a coffee shop. The, the point is, it's not a program or an event. It's a way of life. We've started with the elders. We've just started this process once a month at one of our meetings. We are asking each other, hey, in the last month, how have you impacted somebody's life with the love of Jesus? That's how we got to Marcus's conversation. And, and it's, it's not a shame thing. It, if, if you can't think of anything, that's okay. It's not that big of a deal. But it is a big deal from the standpoint we want us to think about it. If you have something, share it. It's not to gloat. It's just to encourage each other, invite each other into it. We are going to be start doing this with our staff. We're going to ask them that same question at least once a month. And with Stacy as our influence leader, hopefully we'll be doing that in other arenas. The other thing with outreach and influence is asking our ministry teams, how are our ministry teams thinking about outreach? Like connection. Connection is not just, again, like I said earlier, small groups meeting together, it's all about you. No, connection, small groups, should be about the long-range goal of outreach. You get together, support each other, encourage each other, pray for each other, and then do something together to impact your community. It's our family ministry team. We should be equipping families to disciple their kids so that they can have an impact on their community. It is encounter. We, we're going to have people walk through the door that maybe don't know Jesus. How are we creating a space for outreach? And as I was thinking about this, there's another area of ministry that we've been really working on to move forward in, and that is what you've heard us talk about before, faith at home. Faith at Home comes and not becomes another part of our fence rail. Again, this is not a program. It's a culture shift. It's organic. It's the Deuteronomy 6 that I will teach my family, whether I'm sitting down, walking, eating, whatever it may be. The approach is just like outreach. It's challenging the individual. How are you doing on discipling others and being discipled yourself and then it's challenging the corporate from the standpoint is how does encounter have faith at home weaved through what it's doing how does send have faith at home weaved through what it's doing and we there also needed an influence leader and so Suzanne DeMars has been uh is our influence leader there. And again, she comes with a lot of passion for the faith at home and a lot of ability. And so it was very simple to invite her into that process. She has a team, Christy Thill and Corey Lepke and Kelly Farr, who all are helping her in this process. Um, and there's one more area that I see as an important part of our fence rail, and that is prayer. And prayer needs to be organic, just like the other two. 
It needs to be part of our lives individually and corporately. We need to challenge each other. How are you doing in your prayer life? On a scale of 1 to 10. And what is one thing you can do to increase your prayer temperature individually? Just, just one degree. Even if right now you think your prayer life is a 2, what is one thing you could do to make it a 3? Even a 2.5. Let's just increase it. And then it's creating an environment where all of our ministry teams, prayer is an important part of our ministry team. It's not just the prayer time we have Sunday morning or the prayer time that we have on Mondays. It's how, how, does, how do we weave prayer into our building and grounds team? What, what would that look like? Again, it was important to find someone to be the influence leader, and Jen Olson, Olson is uh, stepping into that spot, and she is uh, passionate about prayer. She desires to, this place to be a place of prayer, and so it was easy to invite her or have her step into that role. So there you have it. That's kind of the process. What you need to understand is this part of the fence rails where outreach and faith at home and, and prayer are. This is new development from the standpoint of we're going to step into this and we're going to learn how this looks like as we move forward. But again, five years from now, our desire is to be what our vision says. And when it comes to outreach, our desire is that outreach is going to be organic. It'll be the way of life for us. It'll be just the way we walk and do things. And the same with faith at home. Faith will be sprung out of our homes. It'll be where discipleship happens and training happens. And, and as we move into the community and we teach other families to do that, it's prayer. Prayer, just be a part of who we are and what we do. It's interesting because uh, sometimes we get bogged down with programs and we don't realize that this is all a way of life. We are to go make disciples. Um, go is the passive verb. Make disciples is the active verb. So what you could phrase that command to say, as you are going, make disciples. Meaning, dis making disciples should just be who we are as we're going through life. It's Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship. Creating Christ Jesus to walk in good works. Doing good works should just be part of who we are. Evangelism should just be a part of who we are. Following Jesus should be just a part of who we are. Colossians 3.12. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, goodness, gentleness, love. Do you, you get the picture? Clothe yourself. What do you do? You get up in the morning. You put on clothes. You go through the day. You don't really think about the clothes you're wearing as you're going through the day. It's just part of who you are. So too, compassion, kindness, gentleness, love, forgiveness, loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. It should just be a part of who you are. So in conclusion today, I'm really excited about our future as a church. 
I believe the mission and vision and our core values for us, for such a time as this, are what God has put before us. I believe that um, we do have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on us. It is said, you know, in Acts 1, you, you will be empowered. We are empowered. I'm excited because the people who have decided to call this church place home. I mean, just, I'm excited because I feel like this vision and mission is way bigger than me. It's way bigger than you. It's way bigger than us. The only way it's going to happen is if we are intentional about focusing on Jesus and doing what he's called us to do. I'm excited about this vision and this mission because it's bigger than any event in our culture or pandemic. Meaning, programs may change, our vision and mission will never change. We can still impact people with the love of Jesus on the journey of life. Whether there's riots, whether there's pandemic that requires masks, whether there's I mean, this is what we talked about in 1 Corinthians. Paul, Paul, what's the main focus? The message of Jesus Christ. We can do that no matter what happens in our world. It doesn't change. This week, I want to challenge you as you sit at your dinner table with your family. Ask your family this question. What is one thing I can do to impact someone's life with the love of Jesus? What's one thing? One thing can I do this week? I mean, pray together, ask that question, and then every day just say, hey, have you thought of anything? Have you done anything? Not, not in a shaming way, just in a loving accountability way. Challenge each other. And then share stories with each other. Crossroads Church, let us be intentional and diligent about impacting people with the love of Jesus on the journey of life. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team and the communion servers to come forward as we take communion. Again, we uh, have our, our little cups. Uh, it just makes it that much better for us to uh, try and keep sanitary. And so the ushers in just a moment will be passing these out to you. And just remember, there's a, a little... There's two layers. The first layer is the wafer, and then the second layer is the juice. So just be careful as you are opening them together. You know, when Jesus came here, he had a mission. His whole life was about that mission. Nothing steered him off focus. Even the night before he died, when he was praying, even then when he was wrestling and he said, 
okay, Jesus, or Father, take this cup from me. He followed up by saying, not my will, but thine be done. So as we take communion today, remember the vision and the mission that Jesus has given us. Am I willing to set aside everything for the mission of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your gift of your son. Thank you that it has been your attention from the beginning to bring restoration to your creation. Today, we remember your gift of love. In Jesus' name, amen.